everybody! Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crypt review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest. Today's episode is Season 3, Episode 12, Deadline. Today I have with me my friend Tom to help me guest host. Hey Tom! What's going on? How's it going? It's going pretty good. Good. Thanks for coming out here. Thanks for having me. Do you have any history with the Tales from the Crypt? I do not. I remember seeing the uh, host when I was yeah. a kid, yep. and he creeped the shit out of me, so... Yep. I watched the episode Friday, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. And that was your first episode ever. Of that was the first one I ever saw. Do you think that you would go on to watch some of the other ones? I absolutely would. Yeah, awesome. it's it would be one of those mystery science theater things that I do, though. You like making fun of it? Yeah, <laughs> especially the uh, the host of the show. Oh well, his yeah, little puns. his little puns. Those are hilarious. He's kind of asking for it. Some of the episodes get really like. It's just one after another. It's like if you roll your eyes too hard, they're going to fall out of your head. <laughs> but yeah, so again, this episode is Season 3, Episode 12, Deadline. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the episode here. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired August 14th, 1991. It was directed by Walter Hill, who also directed the movie Brewster's Millions. The screenplay is written by Mae Woods and Walter Hill. It stars Richard Jordan from movies like Logan's Run, Joe Polito from movies like Barton Fink, Richard Hurd from, a mo- from movies like Wolf Lake, John Capodice, or Capodice? I don't know. From Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which is what I knew him from. Rutania Alda from Amityville 2, The Possession, and Mark Helgenberger from TV CSI Crime Scene Investigation. It's kind of a bigger cast for this one. Yeah. Yeah. So let me read the description here on the back of the box here for Deadline. A washed-up reporter will get his job back if he files a murder story. All he needs is a victim and a perp. As I was watching it, uh, I did like the throwback. It was kind of like a macabre homage to uh, Ace in the Hole by, uh, I forget the guy's name, something wilder. But it was, a, it was an old noir film where it's this, again, washed-up reporter, and he finds a miner who's stuck in inside of a mine after a collapse and mm-hmm. he's wasting away about to die and the the reporter is just milking him for every last drop Jeez. of story that he can get out of this guy so that's his bid to get back on top of the world and huh yeah i mean i can kind of see that yeah definitely so let's see we'll go ahead and get started here i really liked the intro for this one i thought it was rather elaborate if like <laughs> you haven't seen the other episodes but they always have different parts in the scenes of the crypt, but this one, like, they actually have a full-size bar with, him, like, with people, like, well, I mean, they're skeletons. And the waiter. Yeah, there's the a waitress. waiter, that's a waitress's skeleton. He's bartending the crypt keeper, and I really like it because, yeah, they really went all out, which I was kind of surprised because, I mean, yeah, this one does take place in a bar, but it's, like, it's not the main thing. So I thought it was kind of weird that this is, like, the whole thing they focused on, but. Yeah, I, I think it would be. Now that you say that, I probably would have been confused watching other episodes of this and not seeing the main theme of the story that they're about to tell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely check out some of the other stuff. I mean, there's, like, the reluctant vampire. It starts out with him dressed up as a little vampire and, and all that stuff. And he's reading how to, like, be a professional vampire like this book. And, ah. of course, there's tons of puns and things like that. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's always something a little different each time. Okay. So... So, yeah, so he's making drinks, and they, they have all the fun, like, uh, oh, what's that stuff called? The, like, liquid nitrogen fog stuff. The dry ice. Dry ice, thank yeah. you. Okay. 
Yeah, so they got the dry ice going, and he's bartending. And yeah, I just thought it was really elaborate. And so he pulls out his, his big book that usually has the cover of the comic book on it, which I think this one probably does too. I think each one does. Yes. Okay. So yeah, they usually have like a comic book intro. Okay. So that's what that is there. And so this one opens up. There's a guy named Charles McKenzie, and he's talking about he's he's sitting there and he's like it's in like I guess you think it's like a dark room kind of thing, but he's in like his suit, and he's sitting there talking about a story he was trying to get. I read the um the description of it on uh, Amazon Prime, which mm-hmm. unfortunately didn't have it, but. I read the description and it said an alcoholic journalist and so when it opened up with him just kind of talking since you only see like his head and about a third of his neck of his chest he looks like he's in an AA meeting you know (laughs) yeah that's true just describing the glory days yeah that's true I didn't think about that but yeah I mean that's everything like in the show because a lot of these shows have a twist ending so even from like the very beginning you're like okay well they're only showing him from the neck up kind of or the shoulders up yeah. Hmm. You know, like kind of watching that, but it, it kicks into him like going back to tell the memory of his story and what's going on. And it, it cuts to a bar and the bartender's getting all the drinks ready, cleaning out the cups and things like that. And Charles McKenzie's there and, and he's an alcoholic and he has drinking problems. And it's, it's getting to where I think it's getting to where it's kind of cutting into his job. Like he's not. Yeah, it seems like he's not able to hold down a job anymore. And uh, he's friends with the bartender, which, you know. They have that whole dynamic where the bartender's trying to, like, hey, look, quit yeah. giving me money. <laughs> get your head right. Which I did appreciate. I was like, that's a good bartender. Because some of them would just be like, give it to you, so whatever. <laughs> the fact that he's like, you need to slow it up. Uh, this is getting embarrassing. Yeah. He's really supposed to be getting to his job, but he's like, you know what? I have time for one more drink. And the bartender's like, nah, why don't, why don't you get a cup of coffee? Which really, I don't find that that would really sober people up a whole lot it, it just makes you have to pee more right yeah <laughs> it just it wakes you up more it doesn't, i guess but i've also never met a bartender that goes hey hey look i'm your friend yeah i'm not gonna give you any more booze that's what i thought was interesting about him. i'm like oh that's kind of nice and yeah so he gets really mad because the guy's telling me you know maybe you need to get a job you need to clean yourself up and he's all like you know spouting off everything he's done in his career and how he doesn't need to take this and okay so this part made me laugh because uh, Mark Helgenberger, I believe this is the a- actress here. And so she's at the bar by herself. I thought it was kind of fruit. Like, he immediately walks up and calls her a hooker. Yeah. And I was like, all right, that's a good way to... <laughs> yeah, the writing there was kind of confusing. <laughs> like, you look like a prostitute. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Buy me a drink, sailor. She's like, all right. Well, he, She's like, well, what makes you think that? And he's just like, well, because you're alone in a bar. And I'm like, maybe she just wanted to be alone. I mean, it's true. She could be a sex worker. I mean, maybe this is like a real smoky, it's kind of a smoky, dingy bar with just a bunch of guys, so I could kind of see it. But to like yeah. come up in the first thing you say, be like, you're a hooker, right? And she's just <laughs> like, thanks, appreciate it. What's a pretty lady like you doing in here? <laughs> Waiting for somebody? Nobody special. See, I'm a reporter. Always trying to get at the facts. Now, good looking girl, sitting in a skid row bar alone. There's a good chance she's a hooker. <laughs> Even though it's none of your business, I'm not for hire. She's sitting there smoking at the bar, and he's trying to woo her, saying he's this great reporter, and he comes in here on business and, and all this stuff like that. And really, I guess, I mean, because he, I don't think he technically he has a job, so I guess he's just trying to be like, trying to throw his weight around, I guess, to get her in bed. 
And he buys her a drink and stuff. And it, and it, for the most part, it works. He's walking her home or walking her back to his place after they leave the bar. And in this episode, too, he's doing a lot of, like, inner narration. So there's, like, a lot of that. Like, I had a previous episode, the one right before that, too, split second, I just did that. She did a lot of inner dialogue. And so, like, he's basically talking about, I don't know, I think he said he's been married, like, four times or something. Yeah, he, he's had, he said she was really great. He really likes her. I mean, I, I've always been a ladies' man. I never had any trouble meeting him. Lots of girlfriends, a couple of wives. After a while, they all drifted away. Women didn't seem so important anymore. It was a booze, I guess. He says he has, he's had a lot of girlfriends and a couple of wives, and out of all of them, this, this new chick has made him feel better, you know? That's the classic, oh, I've never felt better in my life. Everything's <laughs> gonna be different now. Is it really? Yeah. And so she goes home with him, and they sleep together. The next morning, he's getting ready. Okay, yeah, so she's getting ready and getting dressed, and he likes her. He's like, well, why don't we have lunch and stuff? And she's basically letting him know this is probably more of a one-night stand. I don't really even think she was. A, she's a sex worker because I don't think he pays her or anything, really. But mm -mm. they. she was just saying, like, I was just out here to have a good time. I don't like to get tied down. And Just he, looking for a nice little night of fun. Yeah, just want to have a good time. I did appreciate her honesty. You know, she was just like, this is what's going down. The constant brushing of the hair mid-sentence kind yeah. of threw me off, though. <laughs> yeah, because some of it, too, I was like, okay, good. Like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, good. She's she's setting the, the boundary. Like, this is what we're doing. And mm -hmm. then he immediately plays her the same way and, like, reverse psychologies it to where she's like, it irritated me. Because it was like, then he's like, oh, yeah, we did have a good time. Okay, well, there's the door. And she's like, what? Like, you don't yeah. like me? <laughs> and then she's immediately like, oh, we can hang out. And I'm like, oh, God. Well, I thought about that, too, and it seemed like she gets the impression that they're on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. She's like, okay, well, if this is what that guy wants, and it seems like it's the same thing that I want, then, yeah, I just later. I just thought it was weird how quickly she turns it. But, I mean, I understand it's like a 26-minute episode. They only yeah. have so much time. Because <laughs> there's been other episodes, too, where it's like... She'll be like, no, I don't want to kiss you. And then two minutes later, he's like, I kiss you? And she's like, oh my gosh, yes. And I'm like, okay, that was, that was quick. It's uh, a very 1920s way of treating <laughs> romance. Shut up, dame. Well, and then they kiss and like, they always just like move their heads a lot. And so it cuts to his job, which I loved this scene, just all the old computers. Yeah, yeah. And all that. And everyone's just, like, I watched this with Mike when we watched it and he's like it's so loud like how would you get anything done like everyone's all up on each other's butts like it's just desks after desks and everyone's walking around talking there's paperwork everywhere the monitors alone yeah. just being so i'm looking at it going that is so much wasted space yeah they're so huge and boxy but the screen's so small yeah and everyone's just running around at this reporter place talking about different stories and the phones are going off the hook and it's just like, yeah, I, I can't see how you would get a whole lot done. Nowadays, there's more, at least you have like like a cubicle or something in the way where you can't always see everyone. Yeah. If you're lucky, you have those noise-canceling headphones. Yeah. So you can just head down, work on whatever it is you're see, doing. See, that's the thing too is I, I'm so used to, like where I work, I can listen to podcasts and, and music and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, there are some things like I can't, but like... I just, it helps with the day so much that I think I would drive me crazy if I didn't. If yeah, I, that's, you know. it's the same way with me. Uh, you know, I have to occasionally take my headphones off to charge them. Oh, yeah. And in those 15 minutes, I'm just <laughs> sitting there and I hear other people click clacking around on their computers. Yeah. And I hear people over there doing the exact same thing I'm doing, which 
with my headphones on, which is just clearing my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I feel bad when I do that too. I'm and like, am I doing it too much? Uh, yeah, and I just want to stand up and go, shut it! <laughs> this is very, very early 90s, isn't it? Yeah, 91. Yeah, yeah. okay, so, so this is... All the women have like the big, big, thick glasses. And, <laughs> and the and shoulder pads. The shoulder pads, yeah. <laughs> so it's at the reporting place, you know, like, and he comes in and he's... He doesn't really work there anymore, I don't think, but he wants to make an appointment with the boss to try to, like, to, to just get him some help, get him a story, something that he can check out and show that he really still has it yeah, and can get back to getting a job again. And, and so he's talking to the boss. Uh, his name is Phil, and he's like, I need a job. I wish I could, Charlie, but I'm up to my armpits here. Things are going to be different. I'm going to quit drinking. Yeah? I heard that one before. Nothing ever changed. Look. I met this girl. She made me see I've been wasting myself. I still got a lot to give. All I want is another chance. I'm a damn good reporter. You know that, Phil. All right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a trial run. You want a job? Well, you go out there and you prove to me that you can still bring in a story. Damn right. I'll get you a page one break. Now, bring me a murder, Charlie. Something juicy. And Phil's just like, Charlie, I... We're really busy, as you can see. Like... And they are, really. I mean, they must be a pretty popular newspaper. Yeah, the guy's, like, running around, thumbing through what looked like uh, thumbnails. And they, I think they hit a lot of the important crime-related stuff. I think it's not just, like, any story. I think it's, they want to get the breaking news on homicides and and things like that. So, then that's what bugs me, too, about this. I mean, people do this all the time, but where he's like, oh, I met this woman. She's wanting me to, to, she makes me want to change myself. And it's like, don't put it all on this lady. Yeah, (laughs) that's... That's a thing a lot of alcoholics do and addicts in general is they'll find someone to latch on to and then they'll just ride on that coattail yeah. to help them get through without actually doing the work. Well, and it's just a lot of pressure for her. And she's not even really, like, she's interested in a sexual hangout relationship, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. And he's all like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do all this stuff together. And she's so great. And she makes me want to be a better man. And she's like, what? You know? Which is even shittier for him as his character because... Throughout the episode, he keeps saying, look, we're not getting married. We're not getting engaged. Yeah. We're just saying... But he keeps going, this is the one, this is the one, this yeah. is the one. He's still like, well, you know, maybe down the road. <clears throat> yeah. We will. And so Phil breaks down and decides to give him a trial job. Bring in a really good breaking story, like, right at the moment. Mm-hmm. But he wants a murder. So he's like, I want something that's really going to get it. Which I'm like, that's kind of hard to... <laughs> yeah. That is a really niche market to I mean, fill, like, I guess I'll just notice. hang around a really scary alleyway i don't just like like i don't know how you would find one so now this part kind of irritated me too he's not a great guy he's no he's really not he's not and i think this is his ex no that's his sister oh it's a sister yeah okay i wasn't sure okay so that's his sister at least that's what i was getting okay so he shows up at this woman's house yeah and she was like oh look you're back again and he needs his rent for the month because he can't afford anything. And mm-hmm. so this lady has been giving him like 500 bucks a month for a long time. Yeah. Okay, yeah, this is her sister. I don't know why I didn't catch that. Okay. So, yeah, his sister. And his poor sister is having to give, like, at least, yeah, like 500 bucks every month. And he probably doesn't pay her back. No. And he keeps telling her things are changing. I got a job, which really, not really. I mean, you got a chance is what you got. You know, you'd think you'd come and visit me every once in a while just to make it look good, but no, you just show up for the rent money. Listen, it's not like I don't have any feeling for you. This is the last time, Charlie. 
You know, you've been hitting me up for 500 every month, and I've been sucker enough to give it to you. But this is it. it don't come back anymore. Listen, get off your high horse. You got it all wrong. You get a disability pension, I get nothing. I'm gonna be out there pounding the pavement night and day. I've heard enough. You got the money, just go. I did like how, you know, she told him off and she was like, this is it, this is the last mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you. And I felt bad too because she mentions that she this is like part of her disability pension that he's yeah. taking from. And he's the one, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's her disability pension. She's got something going on with her. Yeah, she's got and her own problems. Yeah, he's guilt tripping her with the... Uh, Look, you got disability. I'm out there hitting the bricks. So yeah. Are you? It's like, no, you're probably going to pay your rent and then whatever you have left, if you pay your rent, spend it on alcohol. But he's saying he's going to be clean. Like, this is his first day of sobriety, so... And her name is Mildred. All right. <laughs> Mildred and Charlie. Or Charles. And so he goes to the bar, which is weird, to yeah, tell everyone that he's going to be sober. Because, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's where all his friends are. And he, she's there... Vicky is the girl, woman he slept with, and so Vicky's there again the next night. He comes in and he's like, I'm swearing off drinking. He tells the bartender that. The bartender's like, great. And what annoys me, too, is he tells her that he got a cash advance. Yep. Yeah, that annoyed the hell out of me <laughs> I was as like, well. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he's so bad. And I love that the bartender's such a nice guy. He's just like, that's he great, really man. Is. He's just, you could sell that man a horse if you <laughs> wanted. He was just like, that's great, man, because like, you're a piece of shit. So, <laughs> and so they go home again to get together. I guess the next night they go home together again, and they're talking about all the just stuff he does with with his job. And she's like, you know, have you really stopped drinking? And even after only knowing him a little bit, she's like, yeah, I thought you might have had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, honey, you're picking him up at the bar. You know, like what are you expecting to find? Yeah, she picked him up at the bar after he had pretty much gotten cut off by the bartender. Yeah. Had he had, like, one more drink, he probably would have been passed out. And he's talking about how he's going to get this big story, and she lights up another cigarette. Apparently he bought her <laughs> earrings. No, I think he or, says he's going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's promising her all this stuff. I mean, really, he shouldn't even get this chance, no, sounds he like. Luckily, but... I mean, that Phil guy just was like, they've known him for so long. So now... Charlie's back at the at the, his place of work because now technically to to get the to get the story he has to be there I guess right. answering phones and so he's trying to get leads I guess on a on a murder or something that would be juicy that he could go check it out he can't seem to really find anything yeah it, it's funny too because nobody wants to talk to him just the recurring theme you know when he goes to his former place of work to get the job in the first place the secretary's like ugh. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, he's trying to, like, talk to everyone. He's like, please, just let me come by the morgue. I'll come by the morgue and check it out. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, no. Or he's, like, talking to one guy, and he's like, oh, come on, just let me, just, you know, do you have anything for me? He's like, I can't really talk right now. I'm I'm off work right now. And he's like, well, let me know when you get back. And he's like, well, I'm going on sick leave. And they're just like, <laughs> oh, thanks, man. And it's like, you can tell they're just trying to get rid of him. His boss, Phil's coming over, like, are you getting a story? And he's like, um, I'm working on it. I'm going to. I'm going to get one. And so he's stressing just out. Just treading water at this point. Yeah, he's stressing out. You can tell he's like, you know, the tie's starting to get looser uh -huh. and His all that. His glasses are starting to fall further <laughs> yeah. down. And, was... and so then, after his, like, full day of sobriety, he goes back to the bar because he can't find any, any jobs and he's down on his luck. That's the funniest part of this episode is this guy's been working for a full hour, I think, because the bartender says it's only 9 o'clock. 9, 9 p.m., I think. D yeah, but doesn't he say it's only 9? 
I think he's what he's saying is it's only nine o'clock at night that you still have time for okay. that something could happen. Okay. Because like he has, I think he has to like midnight or you know whatever to find something. And what you know most murders don't. I mean they happen whenever. But I mean I would imagine nighttime's a little more ample. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, so then right away he's like pour me a drink. Just when I need a good rip shit house murder, is Zilch going up? Gotta keep at it. That's the way it goes. Oh, you know so much about it. You keep at it. Hey Charlie, come on. I'm telling you. I I have been calling in favors right and left. Been listening on the police radio band, been to the morgue, the hospitals, not. Charlie, it's only nine o'clock. Pour me a drink, Mike. Charlie, I'm talking to you as a friend here. You got a chance to straighten out, to get back to work. I am working. There's nothing the matter with me. There's just nothing going on right now. The bartender, he's just like, all right. Um. No. <laughs> he's just <Yeah>. like... <laughs> no. But... He's like, hear me out. He's like, you gotta get your crap together. This is not gonna work <laughs> if you start drinking right now. How about you go get yourself a bowl of chili or a cup of coffee at this at this diner he knows of. And so he's like, all right. He does what all drunks do when you tell him no. He throws a hissy yeah. fit and storms out. He throws a big fit. And he goes to this diner and, you know, it's probably, by now it's probably like 10 or something. And he's the only guy there. So he's at Nico's, Nico's Grill. So he's, you know, reading the paper, trying to think of what he's going to do next to get this story. And he's at this diner and it's pretty much like closing up kind of thing. He gets his order and he's waiting for everything. And then the owner in the background talking about code inspectors always kind of trying to come in trying to find a problem to shut him down and trying to get him fined. And he's, he's loosely, the, the owner just wants someone to talk to. Right. You know, so yeah. he's just kind of like letting out all his feelings on Charlie. Mm -hmm. And Charlie's just like, uh, like, he's not really paying attention, but like he's reading the paper and just kind of whatever, you know, and the guy's kind of greasy. And uh, yeah, he, he looks like that stereotypical immigrant from, you know, the 90s, like you yeah. see in one of the Ninja Turtles movies. Yeah, like, yeah, you'd be getting the pizza delivery from. Yeah. Yeah, so he's basically just talking whatever, like, these code inspectors or they'll kill you if you don't pay them off, because if not, they'll shut down your restaurant yep. and all this stuff. And he's like, okay, great, cool. And so Charlie's like, can I just read my paper? And he's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so he heads in the back. I don't even know if Charlie really ordered much. I think he just got a cup of coffee. The owner of the restaurant's wife is in the back and she's wanting to like leave and go do something or something, you know, and he's, you can hear him in the background calling her a dirty, filthy whore yeah. and that she's not going to go. And then, you know, they're kind of starting to get into squabble and, and Charlie's kind of paying attention to him a little bit more and more at a time. Yeah. You see him just, you can tell after he looks back down at his newspaper from staring into the back, he's not reading a damn thing. No. And then you hear that the, the people in the back, you can't see it. You're just looking at Charles' face the whole time. But she, he they're starting to get in a fight. You can hear that he's kind of hitting her. And then they're yelling at each other. And then there's this thud sound. And he's basically telling the woman she can't leave. And that she's staying in tonight. And then as soon as he hears the thud, Charles stands up and is like, uh, is everything all right in there? Yeah. Like kind of looking back, starts to head back there. And you can hear the owner, he's pretty upset. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I'll give him that. Like, he, at least he was upset. Like, he's got tears in his eyes, uh -huh. and he comes back, and, and he realizes he's killed her. He doesn't just realize he's killed her. That's the first thing he yeah. says, which is kind of where I started laughing when I watched this, because I was like, Jesus. Yeah, he's just He was like, really forthcoming with that information. Yeah, he's really open to Charles with everything. He's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got to pay off the code inspectors. I killed my wife, uh, you know, and all this <laughs> stuff. And Charles is just like, 
oh crap and so he goes he's, back and he's like uh dom Irera in the big lebowski when he's driving the limousine oh, i got yeah. a boil on my ass <laughs> but you know me i can't complain uh and so he comes charles goes in the back and you see this woman and she's in a towel like a towel robe and she's laying and you can't see her face and she's kind of rolled over to the side and immediately i'm I mean, I've seen this episode a couple times, but immediately I'm like, oh, I know who that is. Like, yeah. And she's laying there, and she's not moving, and her back is turned, and, and Charles is like, crap. At first he looks pretty stunned, and then he's immediately like, this is my story. Yeah, you can <laughs> see that light bulb appear over yeah. his head. And I was like, jeez, all right. <laughs> so he immediately runs back out to Nico, and he's like, okay, you want to talk? Tell me what's going on. What happened? I know you just killed your wife. That's your wife in there? Leave me alone. Come on. Talk to me. Get it off your chest. What's your name? Nico Stavro. So, uh, what happened? What was the fight about? I strangled her. She's been playing around. I just couldn't take it anymore. I had her followed by a detective. She's been picking up guys in bars. Bums and winos and screwing them. She she just wanted to humiliate me. And he's just milking like a vulture. I know, like he's just and he's got his like his little pad of paper out and he's writing notes and the guy's saying he's he strangled his wife. She's been messing around on him, like going out at night and sleeping with other men and she's not happy here. Uh-huh. And I think she's probably a little bit younger than him. Maybe not too much, but she was just a waitress, okay, yeah. and so he, he made her his wife. Yeah. So two years ago, she had come in. His wife wanted a job, and yeah, a month later after she started, I was like, "That's quick." All right. Yeah. So a month later, after meeting her two years ago, they got married, and he seemed like he really did care for her. But every guy would flirt with her, and she would kind of flirt back. And I think she realized like I could probably have more fun without him, or like at least let him support me, and then I go have fun on my own and. And, yeah, so, I mean, he loved her, and he's just really upset. He got mad, and he strangled her. She seems to think that she's got this arrangement with every guy she meets. You know, like she did with uh, Charlie when they first got together. Oh, are you really, where... are you letting out the cat the cat out of the bag? We haven't figured out who it is oh, yet. Oh, nerds. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, Basically, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert for the next, like, five seconds. We'll find out here in a second. The the lady is Vicky, the woman he's been sleeping with, which you kind of could tell anyway, like the way she's laying there and you can't see her face and everything like that. And so you're like, well, yeah, I know where this is heading. He says he's going to call the police. Mm-hmm. He's calling in the story. Yeah. Uh, so he goes into the same room where the woman's killed and he's trying to get Phil on the phone. And that's when you can see the woman is alive. She's starting to move. And you still can't see her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is kind of surprising. And he's on the phone waiting for Phil to get to the thing so he can do the story or whatever. And this is where it gets, it's a little dark. So he's like, hang on, I'll call you back. He hangs up. And so this poor Nico guy thinks he's calling the police. But really, like I said, he's calling the story. So he goes over to this woman and he still hasn't... <laughs> her hair is covering her face for all the two seconds. Yeah, like he rolls her over and then her hair still in her face. So you still kind of don't know. And then she pulls it out of her face and he sees her and she's still alive. He's like, Vicky? Like, and she's like, oh crap, hey Charlie. So she's, I think she's hoping he's hes going to help her. Yeah. And she's immediately like, you know, help me. He's like, how could you do this to me? And he gets super mad because he realizes, you know, she's been just using him. And she, he chokes her out. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of where I was thinking. I wasn't sure that it would have mattered who was 
beneath the hair. Because as desperate as he was in the state oh, that he was yeah. in, I don't think whose face it was beneath that hair. You think really he would have did it anyway? Yeah. But, I mean, that's yeah, just that's coming probably from, true. Yeah, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan, and in those kind of stories, it just doesn't really seem to matter. I mean, he maybe would have hesitated a little more. I think the anger he had towards her helped. Yeah. Because he was able to just do it out of rage. But, I, yeah, I think if it just would have been any woman, he probably would have been like, well, crap, I need this story. Yeah. So. Like, sorry. You know, <laughs> I got to do this for me and Vicky's relationship, you know, yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, I think either way, it's just a little more macabre, the fact that he knows her and that she's kind of screwed him over. But really, she it's only been like two or three days, and what are the chances he would come into this diner? Yeah. The fact that it's only been like two or three days that he's known her, and she just wanted it to be... A, a simple thing they were doing you know just Mm -hmm. like not a big thing but yeah i mean he had totally become smitten with her and yeah and so he's choking her out and poor nico's having like a panic attack in the other room yeah so now he goes back after he's choked out vicky charles did he goes in to call in the story this is charles mckenzie are you ready for my feed good here goes inflamed by jealousy a distraught Lomax Park man tonight squeezed the life out of his unfaithful wife while she laughed and taunted him. Nico Stubb, reported to be a Greek immigrant, had hired a private detective to follow his wife, Vicky, when he became suspicious that she had a lover. After he found out the details of her secret, sordid life, he flew into a rage and strangled her. Okay, he's a Greek immigrant. Ah. Uh, I thought so with Stavro being his last name. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And he told Nico, I think, that he called 911. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was going to call the police and... Yeah, he was just like, I did it. So then Nico's just... I mean, I feel kind of feel for him because it's like he's just waiting to be arrested. He's yeah. just like sitting like, there. Dude, come on. This is already the worst night of my life. Don't make... Don't prolong this for me. Yeah. He's like, come on. Yeah, so he's reporting everything in the story, and I guess someone on the phone is just typing everything he said. Yeah, because I guess, I guess so. if you're getting, because he's saying like he did a, an interview with the guy real quick. He's like, yes, he strangled her and all this stuff. And so I'm assuming if you really want to get a breaking story, whoever's there, which I guess, yeah, it's probably like 10:30 or something. Whoever's there, just like, yeah, you know, and then they put it out immediately or whatever. So now it cuts back to him talking and and what you said kind of does look like an AA kind of thing, very mm-hmm. dark AA. There's like no light. And he's talking about, it's still showing him from like the shoulders up, and he's talking about uh, how he's going to write a book about his stuff. And you start learning, seeing that he's a, he says he's a crime reporter and a criminal. And I do like this part, because as it slides down, mm-hmm. what's he wearing? A straight jacket. A straight jacket, because he's crazy. <laughs> and it's funny, because he still has his suit, like his, his nice shirt and tie on. Yeah, under, I was just weird. about to ask about that. Yeah. Like, why is... Okay, one, how long has he been in there? Yeah. He disassociated super quick. Yeah, is this like really like two days later? Like he's still in <laughs> yeah. the same outfit? Because he's in a straight jacket and he's still got his little suit shirt and tie on, which I feel like that would maybe be, like they would take the tie away, I would You'd think. think so. <laughs> but I guess when your hands are in a straight jacket, you don't have to worry about choking hazards so much. Or that he would have like a, just like a t-shirt on or something. But yeah. so he's all wrapped up and it's funny cause he's like, yeah, he's, he's talking about a story and he's in this real dark room. I mean, I guess he's confessing or it's supposed to just be maybe in his mind or maybe cause it's real. Like it doesn't look anything like a hospital or anything like a, yeah, I mean, a padded room or anything. 
It almost looks like an attic, so... Yeah. Yeah, it could just be in his head. And it's funny, because the last thing he says at the end is he's like, you know, I really need a drink. Yeah. Is what he said after all that. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need, buddy. So basically what happened is, somehow they caught on to what he did, I guess, or maybe he admitted it. Yeah. Because or... I'm not sure how you would catch it unless... I mean, they had... I guess they had... DNA. They had DNA in the 90s, right? Yeah, they had think, DNA. Well, They've had DNA for I know, a but while. I mean, I think, like, they were able to test it more in the 90s, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, wasn't I, it, like, 70s, 80s when they started kind of doing that? Yeah. And I'm sure, like, there would be some kind of inconsistencies in between what Nico said he did and what uh, Charlie said he did. But Nico said he strangled her, so, I mean, if he strangled her, too. Yeah, but... Yeah, they Just, might have been like, able to from see. An interrogation yeah, they probably did like an autopsy or something. Were able to see like, oh, at first she was okay, and then it looked like something else came and crushed her her throat, you know, or something. Yeah, or like Nico just had her in like a half Nelson yeah. and choked her out that way and thought he killed her, and really he just like put her, you know, she was just unconscious. Yeah, because she really didn't look that. I mean, like like that. She wasn't bleeding or anything. <laughs> she looked fine. Yeah, I think she would have been okay. Yeah. So somehow he got caught. And so he ended up being committed because of it, and now I guess he can't ever drink. Yeah, unless he wants to do that uh, prison booze. Toilet wine? Yeah, toilet wine, that's it. Mm, toilet wine. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's where that's how the episode ends. Um, it was really kind of interesting, too, like, when he did call in, because he was calling in the story, she came back, he came home, killed her, and then he immediately, like, he was drinking alcohol while he was doing the phone call. Yeah. But he was very calm. He was mm-hmm. just like, okay, yeah, here's the story I got. I'm like, wow, that was pretty pretty calm. He's still going to get that story. All right. Yeah, that's, uh, I did like how, uh, you know, this had a lot of noir aspect, aspects to it, but I like that kind of crazed look he had in his face yeah. with all the sweat and yeah. the uh, constantly licking his lips. And and then he just like was like cleared his throat and was like, all right, I got to make this phone call. Yeah. Like he was just ready to go. But yeah, it's a nice twist, the fact that this whole time he's been talking to you, he's been committed in a, in a mental facility, and he's in this forced sobriety now. So yeah, so that was the end of the episode. There is no trivia for this episode that I found. This is the end of season three, episode 12, Deadline. And so then it cuts back to the Crypt Keeper. This was another part of me having never seen the show up until I was 29. Uh, <laughs> he pours a beer... He goes to slide it off the bar, and then he grabs another one, and he goes to put, like, a shrunken head into it. Yeah. And the entire time, I'm just watching his hands fumble around the top of the glass, trying to get the thing in. Yeah, I guess, yeah here he's getting ready to put a little shrunken head in. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of fumble a little bit. I do love how much they do, the like, the puppetry of him is so good, though, because, I mean... Yeah, it really is. I think it, it, it takes multiple people to do him. Ooh, that's what she said. And, yeah, so he's... He's in there and he's throwing out his puns and <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is Poor Charlie. I bet he wishes that he'd killed the story instead. <laughs> Perhaps now they'll let him write for the paper's horoscope column. He wraps up the episode there making a drink, putting a little shrunken head in it, throwing beer glasses off the table, letting them crash. The next episode will be Season 3, Episode 13, Spoiled. I want to thank Tom for being on here today. My pleasure. Thanks Thanks for being on here. Yeah, it's it's been great. For all you guys out there, thank you for listening. If you want to reach me, you can email me at goodeveningpod at gmail.com. 
There's also a Patreon page, there's a Facebook page. I am now also on Twitter, and you can follow me at Gek Podcast, which is at G-E-K Podcast. I recently got accepted onto Spotify, so now I'm on Spotify, nice. and I'm now moving to put episodes up on YouTube, so I already have some up on there now, so if you want to do that. So yeah, thanks again for listening, and have a good one. Just had quite a scare. I actually thought my heart was beating again.